0: Welcome again to The Business of Kush, the Cannabis Business Podcast, where your host, Chip Schweiger, the Greenleaf CPA, and his guests talk about all the business side of the cannabis industry, including accounting, finance, investing, and news of the day. If you're a cannabis business owner, investor, or industry insider looking for the dopest tips to make more money, improve profits, and increase the value of your cannabis business, you're in the right place. And now, here's your host, Chip Schweiger.
1: Well, hi there, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Business of Cush podcast. Super happy you're here. I'm uh, Chip Schweiger. I'm a 27-year veteran of public accounting and corporate finance, and also the founder and managing member of the Greenleaf CPA. And we're a CPA firm that helps cannabis, hemp, and CBD businesses Stay on the right side of tax, accounting, and compliance rules so that you can focus on growth. And because we're a firm that solely caters to the complex compliance needs of the cannabis community, we certainly understand the unique challenges you're facing. So you may be asking yourself, why a cannabis business podcast? And particularly, why one from a cannabis CPA? Well, we've been looking for a long time in the podcast world for a great cannabis business podcast. Now, there are certainly good ones out there, and I'm a fan of them. But we wanted to create something specific to cannabis business owners, and particularly to those of you who are either just starting out or who are looking to scale and level up your cannabis business. So, the business of Cush was born, and episode one is right here, right now for you, the cannabis entrepreneur. And because being an entrepreneur is tough, right? It often takes years of hard work, long hours, and getting comfortable with rejection to become successful. Now, a lot of entrepreneurs give up or fail for other reasons, like running out of money. In fact, according to uh, Forbes magazine, many businesses fail because they cannot get and cannot raise the right kind of funding at the right time at the right valuation. They use too much of their own money and way too much money from friends and family Which, if you think about it, becomes a real distraction and a real bummer every time a friend or family member sees you at a party and asks about how the company and, oh, by the way, how their investment is doing. You know, cannabis entrepreneurs, like every other entrepreneur, can struggle too because they may not know how to value their company or how to phase investments along timelines designed to optimize valuations. They also often don't appreciate how much money it takes to meet milestones or how to respect their investors who deserve professional communications on a regular basis, especially if they plan to keep asking those very same investors for money. Now, add to this that being a cannabis entrepreneur is even tougher because you've got myriad regulatory matters to think about on top of the challenges that you share with non-canna businesses, especially you know, if, you're, if you're in the plant-touching side of the industry. It gets super tough. Which brings us back to money and to investments in your cannabis business. Now, one challenge we see a lot is hearing no from investors, which really hurts, right? I mean, it hurts the confidence, it hurts the pride, and it hurts the wallet when investors don't want to fund your cannabis startup. And for the folks that I know of, including some that I'm working with right now, hearing no over and over again continues to sting. I mean, if no one else believes in your idea, then can it really be that good? Well. That's not necessarily true. And the trick is to flip the script and use the pain as a sign to find out why there is a lack of interest on the part of investors. It could be that you just have been targeting the wrong type of investors for your Canada business, or you need to provide more evidence of current and future success. Now, a lot of times I suggest that folks ask those very investors for a reason why they turned you down so that you can regroup and try again. And there are so many stories of founders who were rejected 10 or 20 or 30 times, which I know had to hurt. I mean, come on, 30 times? But if those folks gave up and skipped out on that 31st meeting, these companies wouldn't be where they are today. And I think it's because each meeting teaches us something about what investors are looking for and which ones need to be targeted. Every investor wants to bet on a winning horse because... What's the point of losing money on purpose, right? But that's the risk taken on a gamble. And the same can be said about investing in cannabis startups. Now, watch Shark Tank, which I think is one of the most brilliant shows out there and really a a masterclass on pitching, Watch that show, and you'll quickly realize that as brilliant as your new cannabis venture may seem, it's got to make money for your investors. That's just the plain and simple truth of it. And one thing that we're going to do on this podcast is bring you the unvarnished truth. Look, no matter what stage your cannabis business is in, you're probably going to need some investment dollars. Uh, Now, over the past few months, I've been helping put together pitch decks for a few startups. And reviewing other ones, as well as watching, I don't know, probably 30 episodes of Shark Tank and seeing maybe about 120 products being pitched. So to save you some time for each of you in this first episode, let's talk about the 10 most common reasons people don't invest in what looks like on the surface to be a good cannabis business. And I offer these to you as help because if you can address them head on, you dramatically improve your chances of securing financing. So the first two I've posted about on social media, and it comes down really to answering the question of do you have commercial viability and do you have market acceptance? So first one is that there's no proof of commercial viability. Uh, Well, what are we talking about? Well, you wanted to develop an idea that could revolutionize the cannabis business, and it could be an amazing idea, but your concept may be too far out. Most investors are gonna stay away until there's been more research, until your product has traction with customers or other investors show interest. And if you if you question this, just think about entering into a crowded geography with a dispensary on every corner. I mean, investors are gonna take a pause at that, right? Investors typically wanna stick with a proven business model, especially in this industry. The second one is that there's no market acceptance. We talked about commercial viability, Uh, But we also need to get over the hurdle of market acceptance, meaning can you actually sell any of your product or service? Is there evidence that there's interest in your CBD line or that it has some traction? Have you sold anything yet, maybe on Instagram or eBay? Have you run a successful Kickstarter campaign for that delivery service? Have you launched any kind of startup before? Passing those tests would prove that you have what it takes to get this startup off the ground. Now, if there are no pre-orders for your online CBD shop or not much interest in your cultivation facilities, then it gets harder to prove that people are willing to pay for your product or service. And when that's the case, you sh- why should an investor give you money? So the trick here is really to show that your business is something worth putting hard-earned cash into and that this investment will work hard for your investors as your company starts to have success. Okay. The number three reason really comes down to trust. Are you sharing all of the relevant facts and figures for an investor to fairly assess the opportunity? Or are you keeping critical pieces of information from potential investors? Now, they're not asking you to reveal every little secret regarding your business. But if they're investing in your cannabis company, they have to at least know the basics of what makes your company tick. How do you sell stuff? I mean, is it online hemp lotions or is it a brick and mortar dispensary? Do you have any patents or registered trademarks and are they protected? Are they already other investors? And if so, what does that dilution look like? Investors wanna know everything relevant about your business. Keeping these key matters secret and you'll risk having a potential investor flat out not trust you. And saw it just the other night on Shark Tank and guess what? They didn't get the deal. Okay, number four is you don't have a business plan uh, or a business model. Now, if you don't have a business plan, you fail to tell an investor how and where you expect to take your company in the next couple of years. And even though you indicated that there's interest in your cannabis company offerings, creating a business plan is such an important piece of the puzzle. And I can't emphasize this enough. If your business plan doesn't add up or worse, you don't have one, then you won't, then they won't invest in your startup. Full stop. Yes, I hear you. It may be the next great thing to solve a massive problem but no business plan equals no money. Take it from me. So the first pro tip, sounds like we should have a bell here or something. Nope, there you go. The first pro tip is get help with your business plan from a consultant before you pitch investors. Okay, the number five reason is that the investors don't believe you can build your company. A great idea is one thing, making it a reality is another. And if you haven't convinced investors that your company can actually function, it's going to be real tough to get them on board. They may need to see some sort of working prototype of a product that you're developing. They also usually like to see research that says that the geography for a new dispensary, for example, isn't already saturated. And customer testimonials here are really important. So consider asking friends and family to sample your new THC-infused product, if that's what you're developing, or look into market research for whether your town can handle a new dispensary. Okay, the number six reason is your company is not the first to enter the market or is not unique. Now, most investors in mainstream industries I know typically don't invest in startups that are not trying to create something new or that have not come up with a different business model. And Barbara Corcoran on Shark Tank is famous for this question about who else is doing your thing or something similar. And the same is true in our industry. You must have something different or unique beyond what the competition has. There are a ton of CBD companies out there right now and more coming every day. Similarly, there is Delta 8, it seems like, around every corner. So what is going to be differentiator for your business if you get into Delta 8? Want to get into that THC-infused anything? The same question holds true. What's going to be different and make your business different? You need to be able to answer this question to potential investors, but the differentiator doesn't have to be complicated. There's a lot of talk about THC benchmarks right now, so maybe that's a place to look. Or... Perhaps enter a new geography that just opened up to medical or recreational cannabis. All right. The number seven reason is the founder or CEO is uncoachable. Now, if you're not willing to listen to advice or suggestions and become defensive when somebody criticizes an element of your business, investors probably aren't going to be interested in working with you. This is a partnership and the best ones have likability at their core. So back to my favorite show just the other night again on Shark Tank. Several founders came to pitch an idea and Robert Herkovic made one suggestion, one simple suggestion, and they became offended. One of them even challenged Robert that he didn't really understand their business and asked what gave him the right to make that suggestion. Well, he picked up his toys and uttered those famous words, I'm out. It made for great television, but they didn't get the deal and their company is out of business now. All right, number eight is your startup costs too much. Now, you may think that your new can of company is worth, I don't know, $10 million, but investors price deals on earnings and margins and projections of customer sales and signed committed purchase orders. Yes, figuring out the value of your startup can be a challenge. And yes, the value should be based on past accomplishments and the company's potential. But there's got to be some anchor there to reality. And if investors feel like a startup is being assessed at a value that's too expensive, They may just look elsewhere for another investment opportunity. All right. The number nine reason is they just may not be the right investor. And this is what I call the it's not you, it's me phenomenon. I mean, essentially, your company is not operating in an area of their expertise or they are currently oversubscribed in a particular vertical, say, extraction businesses, right? So just like a doctor may have a specialty, so do investors. Usually in every episode of Shark Tank, one or two of the sharks will say how impressed they are with an idea being pitched, but admitted that they just don't know enough about the niche to help. So do some research ahead of time and locate the investors who are involved in your vertical or who have experience with your vertically integrated operations, if that's the direction that you're headed. And so the second pro tip for the day is... Seek out of friendly investors only. Don't waste time with other folks. You're just, you're just wasting time and you're just wasting money. All right, the number 10 reason is there aren't any other investors, right? This is kind of an odd one. If investors don't find evidence that others have invested in your business, even a couple of thousand dollars, it's gonna be real tough to get an investment. They aren't interested in dilution, but they do wanna see interest from other investors. And oh, by the way, That could be you. So the question that they may ask is, how strongly do you believe in this and how much have you put of your own money into it? The presence of other investments give an indication that someone else sees potential in your startup and that other people are supporting your vision. And a trick here is having a couple of investors already uh, involved, and that's good because they can help you promote your business to target larger investors. So, There you have it, the unofficial official list of the top 10 reasons investors are likely to take a pass at investing in your cannabis business. Give them a review and role-play these responses before you go into your next pitch because if you're not more successful with these, at least you'll feel more comfortable because you're better equipped. And if you do that, I guarantee you'll get the next one. This is one of the biggest moments in your cannabis business's life. It makes sense to take it seriously. So don't wing this thing. Okay. So for this first episode, and it's really been a blast so far, but before we run out of time, let's do one last thing. And that's a segment that we call News of the Day.
0: News of the Day.
1: Okay. We got three news stories right here. Let's see what we got going on in the world of cannabis and business. All right. This first one's pretty interesting. So, Uh, Bank of America closes a cannabis researcher's account. I don't know if you saw this one, but Dr. Sue Sidley, um, or Sisley rather, who is the president of Scottsdale Research Institute, has been conducting FDA-approved trials to evaluate cannabis as a medical treatment for military veterans and terminally ill patients. So she took to Twitter on October 15th to share that Bank of America close the Institute's account, potentially threatening the future of her study. And I think this is really interesting uh, for a lot of reasons. The bank notified Cicely in an October 12th letter that it would be closing the account according to Law 360, and uh, Bank of America directed SRI, her company, to stop writing checks and to cancel any recurring payments within three weeks. While the letter didn't provide an explanation for the closure, it said that the decision to shutter the account was reached after, quote, a careful review of your banking relationship. So the letter also stated that, quote, this decision is final and won't be reconsidered, leaving Cicely with really little to no recourse. And this is you know, a horrible thing. We, we all know, if you've been in this business, we all know about the banking relationships. One more reason why we need uh, improved banking uh, and need the MORE Act uh, finalized. We're going to talk about uh, banking and financing sources for cannabis companies in a future episode, but uh, kind of a, a rugged story to hear. All right, second one, a little bit more positive note. Uh, cannabis firm Juicy, Juicy, I guess is how you say it, secures $100 million funding with a 9.5% interest rate. So in MSO, uh, Jushi Holdings secured a $100 million credit facility with a 9.5% annual interest rate to bankroll expansion in the company's core and targeted U.S. markets. And for the funding, Florida-based Jushi tapped a portfolio company of a Canadian licensed producer, which I think is kind of interesting, uh, in the news release that re- that came with it, Jushi said that they intend to draw 40 million initially to fund the cash portion of its recently completed acquisition of Nature's Remedy, a deal that allows Jushi to enter the Massachusetts cannabis market. So the CEO said that the funding will allow Jushi to continue its expansion in existing markets such as Nevada, Illinois, Ohio, and California, as well as pursuing potential target markets like New Jersey and Maryland. So good news for those of you in those markets, and also great news, I think, uh, for those of you that are the audience for this podcast, the cannabis business entrepreneur, because this is what, uh, if you do run your company right, uh, there could be a, a good potential acquisition in your future. All right. The last one that we have here is news from Illinois. Man, i I'll tell you what. The legal recreational cannabis market in Illinois continues to hold steady as at the end of September, uh, cannabis product sales in Illinois for the year now near the $1 billion mark. So September sales hit just over $120 million, according to this article. And making it the seventh month in a row in which sales exceeded $100 million. Uh, actually, the article comes from Marijuana Moment. Uh, so, last month's sales are an 80% increase over the same month last year, the article stated. And September's numbers are actually down from a high in July as well as August. And uh, the director of spokesperson from the National Cannabis Industry Association attributes this in part to a leveling off after the initial spike. But clearly, in legalizing cannabis, lawmakers in Illinois anticipated tapping new revenue stream. And so far, that hasn't been disappointed. So there you have it uh, for this week's. And I think that about wraps it up for this first episode. You know... We're going in the fourth quarter of the year. So next week, we're going to talk about what you should be thinking about before the end of the year as it relates to the business side of your cannabis business. Hope you'll join us again. And until then, have a great week.
0: You've been listening to The Business of Kush, the podcast for cannabis business owners, investors, and industry insiders. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast. It's easy to do by clicking on that subscribe button or follow button. And you can also follow us on social media at at Biz of Kush or visit us on the web at www.thegreenleafcpa.com forward slash listen. We'll catch you in the next episode. And thanks again for listening to The Business of Kush.